Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. Let me start with a question. Who is the greatest hero that you know of? You know, when I think about heroes, I think about Thomas Dry Howie. He was the major of St. Lowe. Now, when I was a kid and I was in the third grade, my uh, third grade teacher, Margaret Wilson, took us down to the courthouse square in Abbeville, South Carolina. And there we saw a monument to Thomas Dry Howie, the major of St. Lowe. He died um, uh, fighting for freedom in one of the bloodiest uh, battles of World War II. So who's the greatest hero that you know of? Could it be Martin Luther King, of the hero of the uh, civil rights movement? Could it be Neil Armstrong, the first person to walk on the moon? Or maybe it was Todd Beamer, who gave his life to try to save others in 9-11. You know, when you think about heroes, do you know that you can find heroes right here in this community? That you can find heroes right here in this room. Oh, your story may not be told on CNN. It may not be chronicled in the paper. But there are heroes all around us right here in this room. And most of the time we don't call them a hero. We just call them dad. And so today we want to say to all the hero dads here, happy Father's Day. I hope that today is special. And to those of you that are... uh, that maybe you haven't got your dad that special card yet, I'm going to help you out. So here's a couple of cards that you can download that I thought was interesting. How about this one? Happy Father's Day to a man who has been monitoring my cell phone uses as much longer than the NSA has. And so to all the NSA workers here, thank you. Okay. I like this one. How about, you're going to have the best Father's Day. I mean, it's the best. It's going to be huge. And Mexico is going to pay for it. That's funny, y'all. That's funny. Now, I've got to be fair, right? You've got to be fair here. I sent you an email to say Happy Father's Day, but it was mysteriously deleted. Okay. Yes, it was. And how about this one? Happy Father's Day to someone who inexplicably loves signing his name uh, in each of his text messages. And I'm saying, like, what's wrong with that? I do that. I just want them to know who it is. Well, today is Father's Day, and and we're in a series based on the one-year Bible reading. Every January, we attempt to read through the Bible together. And so you can download the Stevens Creek Church app, or you can go to our website and click on the one-year Bible, and it'll give you verses. Now, the challenge of it is this. When um, you have the verses assigned to you by the one-year Bible, and then you run into a holiday like Father's Day. I mean, how do you merge those two together? Well, today's reading is coming from 1 Kings chapter 17. And it's the story of a man named Elijah. And as we read this passage in 1 Kings chapter 17, here's what I want you to understand. 
that I believe that every dad can be a hero today by embracing four principles from the life of Elijah. Now, some of you are saying, wait a minute, who's Elijah anyway? Well, Elijah is one of the more famous individuals in the Old Testament. If you were to look at his resume, what would that look like? Well, he raised the dead. He brought fire down from the sky. He ascended uh, into heaven in a whirlwind while riding in a chariot. It's a pretty strong resume, if you ask me. Hey, I'll ask you another question. This is for those Bible buffs. There are two people in the Bible who did not die. Did you know that? Two people in the Bible that did not die. Elijah's one of them because he rode in a chariot to heaven. Does anybody know the other guy that did not die? Enoch, yes, you very quick over there. Good, whoever that was. Yes, you get the gold star for today. Enoch and Elijah, neither one of those died. Now, that's off, off script there. Now, let's think about this. Elijah, Elijah lived at the time period right after King David. I want to give you some quick history just so that you can understand that. Do you know who King David is? King David is the guy that when he was younger, he fought Goliath. The story of David and Goliath, it's a a biblical story. This is also a cultural story. Uh, David ascended to the throne. He became king. He was the greatest king in all of Israel. Today, if you go to Jerusalem, today, uh, if you go to Jerusalem, they still call it the city of David. That shows you what an impact that David had. Now, David... Uh, had a son named Solomon. What do we know about him? He was the richest guy in all the Bible. He was also one of the wisest guys in all the Bible. He wrote the book of Proverbs, okay? A lot of wisdom, a lot of wealth, but he made some stupid decisions along the way, and he had a weakness, and his weakness uh, was women, okay? And that led to his downfall, I mean, he married way too many women and uh, all of that. And it took him down a path he didn't need to go down. After he died, Israel was made up of 12 tribes, right? There was a split in the country. In fact, it was like the split between the north and the south, okay? The southern tribes, which was Benjamin and and Judah, they got together and they said, we're different from them. We're the southerners, you know, uh, and we're going to have our capital in Jerusalem. Then there are 10 other tribes. They were the northern ones. They were the uh, northern ones. And they said, hey, we're going to have our capital in Samaria. And we're going to say, yes, Omri's going to be our king. Well, Omri became king, and that dude was evil. He was evil. And then he had a son named Ahab, and you know what? That guy was worse than his daddy. And so when Ahab uh, was the king, he was taking the people down the wrong path. There was a significant moral decline in the nation. Are you with me? So there's a significant moral decline and God raises up somebody. Guess who it was? It was Elijah. God raised up Elijah to speak truth to the community, to speak truth uh, to the leadership. God anointed him to take a stand against evil. So in 1 Kings chapter 17, I believe you'll see four principles from the life of Elijah, that if we will embrace them, that we will truly be a hero to our families and a hero to this land. 
What's the very first thing that we see in the life of Elijah? He was a man of courage. What do we see? You need to be willing to stand up for what is right, even if it means standing alone. Elijah was anointed to to go to to, uh, Ahab and confront him. He said, we're going to stand up for what's right. He called Ahab to repentance, to live his life in a different. He was walking in the wrong path. He's going down the wrong path. And, and repentance means that you just change direction. So many times we look at the word repentance and we feel like it's a negative word. It's not a negative word. It's just a word that actually means to change directions. And so he was saying, you need to go down a different path. You, you need to change directions. This was a bold move for Elijah to come and approach the king that way because he could could be putting his life in danger. If the king didn't like what he said, he could kill him right there. But Elijah was anointed to do that, to challenge that. God had given Elijah a voice to stand up against the evil, to stand up against the declining moral condition of the nation. I believe that God has given you a voice. God has called you to speak out to this generation. God has called you to be a light in this generation. A light against, to push back the darkness. Could it be that God has placed you in the office that you are working in so that you can be a light, so that you can say, hey, you know, I don't think this business practice, we need to continue that way. Or, hey, I don't think we need to treat our employees this way. We need to be better than that. So when I talk about being a light, I'm talking about just shining hope and being a positive influence in this church, in this community, in your company, in your school. Here's what I believe, that God has put you where you are right now for a reason. God has put you where you are right now for a reason. If you're new to the creek, we have the fill in the blanks in our worship guide. So that's what uh, the yellow is for. God has put you where you are for a reason. I believe that he has placed you. You could have been born in any generation prior to now. Just think about that. But when God looked at the, uh, the history of mankind, he made a decision that you would be born at, in this particular generation, at this particular time. Therefore, I believe that God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. You've been placed here for a reason, for a purpose. And if you're going to be a hero in this generation, if you're going to be a hero in your home, then you need to be a man. You need to be a woman. You need to be a person of courage and conviction and be willing to speak up. Elijah spoke up. But you know what? He spoke up, but his message was not well received. In fact, Ahab and Jezebel heard the message and they were ticked off. And, and Jezebel made it her mission in life, her life to eradicate the voice of Elijah. And she turned on him. And Elijah responded and said, look, if you don't repent, this is what's going to happen. God's going to bring a drought. He's going to bring a drought on this land. And he's going to use this drought to prove his power and to prove his might. 
And that's what happened. We see 1 Kings chapter 17. We're in the one-year Bible reading. Here's verse 1. Now, Elijah said to Ahab, As the Lord, uh, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here. Turn eastward and go hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. It's interesting here. That he made that bold declaration. He challenged them. He brought down the judgment of God. And then God said to him, Elijah, it's time for you to move on. Shake the dust from your feet. It is time for you to to go to a new place. To get out of town. Often God uses a crisis to motivate you to do something different. We must be willing to go where God leads us. Sometimes God prompts us to do something and we don't respond to it. We don't, we say, nah, I'm just not in the mood for that. I'm just not going to go down that path. And then what happens? Problems develop. Have you ever noticed how God can use a problem or a crisis and that all of a sudden to get our attention? And when we have a problem or a crisis in our lives, that that becomes a motivating factor for us to change and to do something different than we've done? Well, God sent him down to the east of the Jordan River. He sent him down there not just because he was afraid or anything like that, or, but he sent him down there to protect him from King Ahab. And he planted him right by a brook called Kareth on the east side of the Jordan River. And while he was there, God supernaturally provided for this man of God in in unique ways. He caused the birds of the air to bring um, bread and to bring meat to him twice a day. And this happened for over a year. And what we learn in this situation, that where God guides, God will provide for you. Where God guides you, we have to trust that God is going to provide for you. Think about that. Let that sink deep in your heart. You see, God supplied his need there for almost, uh, about a year. Here's the second thing. We learn in this story the power of patience. Be patient when things take longer than you expect. I would imagine that, that as Elijah's camping out there by the, uh, the river... He's thinking like, okay, it's been a month, it's been two months, it's been three months. I mean, it's been a year. And God is saying, be patient here. Be patient even when things take longer. Just because something is not happening in your life doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Rome was not built in a day. And the battle that that you are facing right now may not end in an instant. There will be times in your life where you will have to press through the problem, press through the difficulty, press through the grief, press through the situations. And I know that you're tempted just like I am to say, why, why is this happening to me? And God is teaching us to trust him. He's teaching us the the value of patience. And what we've got to understand is patience is a form of faith. It says, I trust God. I believe that God is bigger than this problem. Hear that. 
Patience is a form of faith. It says, I trust God. I believe that God is bigger than this problem. What we see is waiting for something to happen. God sees as trusting that it's going to happen. In first in second Peter chapter uh, three, it says, oh, don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With, a, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. That the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as, under, people some, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's what? He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish or, and everyone to come to repentance. God has you in this waiting place. There, Elijah was waiting. He was waiting in the desert. And remember, he's waiting in the desert. And what happened by this brook? Well, the brook dried up. Why did the brook dry up? Because he had pronounced a a judgment on the land that it's not going to rain. As a result of no rain, the water dries up. Then God leads him. He said, I want you to go to Zarephath, a city um, in modern Lebanon. And there he prepared a widow to take care of him. Sometimes God's provision for your life comes from unexpected sources. Very practically, you would never say, oh, I'm going to go get help from this widow woman over there that's about broke herself. In fact, she was. She was trying to raise her son and didn't have enough resources And she was at a place in her life where she was down to her last meal. In fact, the Bible says that that she was gathering sticks so that she could make a fire and cook her last cake. It was her last meal. She was broke. But what you understand in her story is God loves to work in situations where the odds are against you. Some of you, you feel like that you are at a place where the odds are against you. That you're never going to get out of this situation. But I'm telling you, when you get down to zero, you're in a good place for God to do a miracle. Think about it. This woman was down to her last meal. And Elijah came on the scene. And what did he say? Hey, I've got some money for you. No, he was, didn't have any resources. But he looked at this woman and said, hey, can you cook me some bread and get some water? I'm sure that this this woman was nervous because she's thinking, I don't have enough. I just barely have enough for me and my son. But there's where he said, don't be afraid. We pick it up in verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. I want you to go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small cake of bread for me. From what you have and bring it to me and then make something for you and your son. And so we see here, uh, for this is what the Lord said. The God of Israel says, if you'll do this, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. He's saying... If you will trust God in this situation, God is going to resupply for you. If you will give, he will give back. And so that's what this woman did. She was faithful. Here's the third principle in this story. 
be faithful to the task God has given you. You see, faith is when you don't know what the future holds, but you know who holds the future in the palm of his hand. Faith is when you have to trust God to do what only God can do. Faith is being fully convinced that God is able to do what he promised. And this woman was faithful to the task. Here's the point. When we're faithful to God, he will be faithful to us. When we're faithful to God, he's going to be faithful to us. We continue the story. Elijah challenged this widow to trust God. Verse 15. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days, for there was always enough. I love that. We serve an always enough God. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. There was always enough. God has always enough for you. You don't have to live in fear, but God has enough. Trust him. Trust him. And so we see this miracle story take place. We celebrate with that. But, you know, even in this lady's life where she had become the recipient of this miracle, something changed. Something happened. She had done what the God had told her to do. But then we look at the next verse, verse 17. This is in our one-year Bible reading for today. Verse 17. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. And he grew worse and worse. And finally, this only son died. And Elijah responded, we dropped down. And he went and found this woman. And he said, give me your son. And she took that son, her son's body from her arms and he carried him up to the stairs to the room where he was staying and he laid the body on his bed and Elijah cried out to the Lord. Notice this next verse. And he stretched himself out over the child three times and he cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and he revived. Very interesting here to me. Notice that he said three times. He cried out three times. So many times in our lives we pray, we offer up a prayer to God. It doesn't ha- uh, uh, he doesn't answer and what do we do? Well, we go to something else. We go to plan B. Elijah prayed once. He prayed twice, but finally on the third time, he cried out to the Lord. He got an answer. Here's the point that we see. Be persistent in prayer until you get your answer. Be persistent in prayer. Elijah prayed three times. He cried out to the Lord. When was the last time that you cried out to the Lord? When was the last time that you cried out for help? That you said, God, I need help here. I need you to come. I need you to help me. The more you pray, the less you will panic. The more you pray, the less you will panic. Because when you pray and call out on the name of the Lord, what you'll discover is there's strength and help from above. 
So Elijah prayed and God performed a miracle. We serve the same God who will do immeasurably more than we ask or even imagine. I said today that when we read this story of Elijah, that there are four principles. That we're, we should be willing, if we're going to be a hero, we need to be willing to stand up for what's right. We need to be patient when things take longer than we expect. We need to be faithful when we're given a task to do. And finally, we need to be persistent in prayer until the answer comes. Courage, patience, faithfulness, prayer. I believe that every dad can be a hero by embracing these four principles from the life of Elijah. Now, I started this message with the story of Major Thomas Dry Highway from Abbeville. He landed on Omaha Beach and he helped lead the charge on D-Day. He and his men pressed through the, the French countryside. They were fighting for freedom. And on July 13th, Major Howey assumed command of the 3rd Battalion of the 116th. Armed American forces had pushed within a mile of St. Lowe, which was an important vital transportation hub that Hitler had set up and said, oh, we want to keep this at all cost. On July 16th, Howey's men stepped up to help the 2nd Battalion, which was uh, under siege by the enemy. How and his men broke through and he saved them. And the following day after regrouping his forces, Major Howie set his sights on St. Lo. The enemy forces were strong. And he had encouraged his men to keep fighting. And he boldly declared, he said, we will get to St. Lo. And he radioed Major General Charles Gerhardt. And as he ended his conversation, he says, yes, we can make it, and I will see you in St. Lo. And as he said that, shortly after that, there was a barrage of of the enemy, of a German attack. And he was fatally wounded by shrapnel that day. The following day, the the 3rd Battalion battalion, uh, captured, entered the city of St. Lo, and they had Major Howie's flag-draped body on the hood of a jeep as they drove into St. Lo. And he was the first American soldier in St. Lo. As the fighting increased, his men lifted his body, his flag-draped body, and then went through the enemy and placed it in St. Croix Cathedral that day. That event was witnessed by a young Stars and Stripes reporter named Andy Rooney. Some of you remember Andy Rooney. He was on 60 Minutes for years. He died a few years ago. But before his death, he he did a broadcast on the anniversary of D-Day. And he didn't mention any military person by name except one, Major Thomas Howie. You know, when I was on that field trip, when I was in the third grade, and I listened to Margaret Wilson tell about heroes, talk about heroes, I knew that one day I wanted to be a one. I wanted to be a hero. I didn't know then what I know now. That I believe that every dad can be a hero if he's willing to take a stand if he's willing to be patient, 
if he's willing to be faithful until the task is done, and if he's willing to be persistent in prayer. Let's pray. Father, today, I pray for the families here in this church. I pray specifically for the dads here. I pray, God, that you would give us the courage that we would be able to take a stand, even if we're standing alone. I pray right now, God, that you would uh, give us the strength to speak up when we are to speak and the patience to be silent when we are to keep silent. God, give us wisdom. Give us insight. I pray for the families here, Father. I pray, God, that you would stir up the gift of leadership, that we would be men of valor and courage, but we would be men of action. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us an opportunity to to be a part of your family. And I pray, God, for those families here today. This is a hard day. This is a tough day. I pray, God, that you'd bring comfort and you'd bring strength. Now cover us in your blessing and your peace. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Happy Father's Day. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.